Welcome to the Tell It Abs It Is podcast, your home for everything Colorado Avalanche on the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your hosts, Griffin Youngs and Christian Boulay. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Tell It Abs It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Griffin Youngs, joined by Christian Bollet, as always, as the Stanley Cup final gets underway. The Vegas Golden Knights take a 1-0 lead over the Florida Panthers with a 5-2 win. We're going to talk about the beginning of the Stanley Cup final first, and then we're going to do something a little bit different today. We're going to be drafting our all-time best Avalanche teams going back and forth. Not the best Avs team of all time, but we're going to try to build the best team we can competing against each other, I suppose. And you guys will tell us who is smarter, I guess, who the better host is at the end of the day. There's no winner in this debate um, because as as it's been shown, we are we are not smart. Yeah. So you guys are probably, <laughs> you guys are probably going to see both of them be like, Jesus, these fucking guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, who knows what's going to happen with it, honestly, but I, I'm excited for it. I think it's gonna be really fun. Yeah. We're going to see where that goes. We're going to try something a little different today. But first. Game one of the Stanley Cup final, like I said, Vegas wins 5-2 to two over Florida. Just a pretty solid performance for Vegas from start to finish. The Panthers had their moments, but Vegas ran away with this game in the third. Yeah, no, I, my biggest thing with it was, and I think Paul Maurice talked about it, the Knights made the Panthers pay for every mistake that they made in this game. Like it, it was a close game going into the third period. And then the Knights just took over. Like you said, uh, that brutal turnover by Matthew Kachuk was just heartbreaking to watch as a Panthers, uh, as the number one Panthers fan in America right now. But it was, I wouldn't say it was a bad game from Florida. It's just, they made a few mistakes and Vegas capitalized on them. Yeah, I think it was Florida played pretty much the same as they always have in these these playoffs so far. It's just they didn't really get away with it this time. And Vegas made them pay for a lot of their mistakes. And Bobrovsky was not able to to save them from that performance. He was, I don't want to say he was terrible, but based on the performances he's had so far in these playoffs, this is probably among his worst. Yeah, that was... That was the Sergei Bobrovsky we expected to see in Boston. Uh, like when he's been playing as well as he's been playing, you kind of just come to expect that he's going to give these type of performance all the time, but he is human and <laughs> that's what happens. Yeah. He's getting beat on distance from shots. There's not a ton of bodies in the way. Not all of them were bad of the four. He gave up the the two from white cloud and from Theodore, you know, they're, they're from distance. You'd like a save on those, but the first one from Marsha. So, and like you said, the, the turnover to Mark stone, not really a ton he can do about those, but there's another stat that's like Vegas. When they score at least three goals, they've won 33 playoff games in a row. Like they, when they go up, they stay up. And this is what I like about this Vegas team heading into this series is they're not going to make a lot of those mistakes that the Panthers capitalize on. And the Panthers, I, th- I think they have a hill to climb in this. Literally, Aiden Hill, they have to climb in this series. And we'll see how the rest of it goes. It's a great game one for Vegas. I fully expect the Panthers to mount some kind of answer, whether it's in game two or once this series shifts to Florida. But this was a, a good momentum builder for the Knights. Yeah, no, I mean, I still think the series is going to be super close. I know 5-2 seems like it's a, it was a blowout. That game was back and forth, and these two teams played very well. I think... Florida's going to make the adjustments they need, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if they go and win game two. It's just when you have Aiden Hill making that save that would have put them up 2-1, I believe, yes. uh, where he reaches back and stops it. Uh, it was – you could kind of feel like, okay, this might be Vegas's night because it was, it was rough. And then I believe it was – was it was it Theodore's goal that put him up 2-1 or did he put him up 3-2? It was Theodore that put him up 2-1. 2-1. I didn't love that goal from Bobrovsky. I, I I think he should have made that save. That's a shot from distance. I get it's a little bit of a screen in front, but that was a brutal goal to give up because I, if I'm remembering right, the Panthers had a really good shift in the, in the offensive zone, and then that happens right on the tail end of it. So it was an Aiden Hill played really well, and Sergei Bobrovsky was not 
very good. I, I expect him to bounce back. But, I mean, credit to Vegas. As much as it pains me to say it, they are a complete team. Yeah. Like, they are just rock solid from top to bottom. And if they're getting a goalie who's making these types of saves, they, they, they're probably going to win this series. Yeah, it's just tough shit when you have Aiden Hill playing like that. And it's like I've said, I think Bruce Cassidy has just done such a great job with this team, and they're firing on all cylinders. It's a little fortunate because I don't hate this Vegas team as much as I've hated other Vegas teams in the past. I think they've worked out a lot of that whining issue that I think I had a huge problem with. Not going to go as far to say that I like them. They're very much still on the bottom of that list, but I can find I can tolerate them a little more these days, which helps a little bit. Not a lot, though. But the the way they the way they've been playing in these playoffs, they're just there's so much pressure. They take advantage of a lot of people's mistakes and they just get scoring from it seems like every line on the ice. And now they're getting defensemen to activate, which is like the one part of the lineup that hasn't been contributing a ton of goals. And you get two from Theodore and White Cloud in this game. It's a huge recipe for success. Well, I mean, the we've seen in the cup finals, it's the unsung heroes that are going to win you a Stanley Cup. Zach White Cloud is not going to score a bunch of goals, but him scoring was what well, was the game winner was the difference in this game. I mean, we saw it with the Avs last year. I mean, I don't know if you can consider Burakovsky an unsung hero, but he was a third line player. I'll sing for, the I'll sing for him yeah. for sure. Yeah, you had uh, Cogliano and Nico Sturm scoring in game four to tie the game up. Um, like it's just the story of unsung heroes in the Stanley cup finals. And the thing with the Panthers is like, I really thought that Barkov didn't play terrible. I thought he did a good job on Eichel, but you need more from Barkov on the yeah. offensive end. You yeah, need, it's, more. I feel like it was really less Florida had a bad game and more like Vegas just looks so good and they looked ready and Florida maybe. I don't want to say they weren't ready because they definitely came out of the gates firing and Vegas was able to survive. But it seems like Vegas is able to roll with the punches a lot better than Toronto was and Carolina was. And when Florida started to answer back against Boston, they're a lot less fragile than Boston was in five, six and seven of that series. Just Vegas, they it seems like nothing really bothers them all that no. much where you, ha- you give up that shorthanded goal to Eric Stahl to open the game. And Aiden Hill just didn't even seem bothered by it. They didn't let it get him down. They kept pushing. They didn't even get the response right away. It basically took them the rest of the period to get that goal back. But they just, they keep sticking with it. And again, I really think a lot of that credit has to go to Bruce Cassidy. Because this is not that different of a team than it was no. last year. Outside of a couple addition. Barbashev at the deadline has been a big ad for them. But this is generally the same team. But I just think they're way better coached now yeah. than they were under DeBoer. Yeah, it, they have structure, and that's really the key. I think that they were missing last year with DeBoer, um, and like fucking Mark Stone has all of a sudden turned back into the old Mark Stone, which is I don't, I don't huge know what for this kind team. Of, I don't know what kind of painkillers that guy is on yeah. in these playoffs. I don't know how you can have the amount of surgeries that man has had because I know a lot of us were complaining about the LTIR, and of course he's ready for game one. It's like. When you're getting back surgery, that's that's not fake. Like you're you're not faking that recovery in that timeline. Like, okay, maybe he could have come back like a few days before, but he's probably wasn't even ready for game one. But just because he's Mark Stone and a fucking psycho, did it anyway. Yeah, and I think a lot of people, and I'm one of them, had written off Mark Stone. Like I, I, I thought too. his career was done because I, when you have those back surgeries, you're thinking, oh, he's done so. Right. At, at very least for these playoffs, like he is fresh off of back surgery yeah. like i think he's going to be a great leader we'll see how well he can even move though and yeah. he's just looks like old mark stone like mark stone the day he got to vegas has been a huge producer for them and he is a great captain and took advantage of a pretty soft clearing attempt from kachuk was it uh played with a high stick i mean i thought they reviewed it a little quickly Honestly. Yeah, no, I thought it was close, but I think it was one of those ones that if they had called it a high stick on the ice, I think it would have stand, would, would have stood. And since they didn't call it a high stick on the ice, I think they just stuck with the original call. Honestly, I'm okay with that. Like, yeah, me too. I, I think you should default in situations like this where it's so close to just trust your officials, which is you probably shouldn't most of the time because most of the time they're wrong. But like, then what are we doing here? If you can just go back and review every single centimeter and get like, you really want to take back a goal for that. And like, he's, you know, and he's leaning down and everything and you can, you can break it down for 20 minutes, probably pull out a protractor. 
let the friggin' goal stand. It's the yeah. Stanley Cup final. Like we shouldn't be overturning goals for that. That's just that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, and I'm I mean, we saw it with the Avs against the Oilers uh in game four with Lekkonen's goal. It was I mean, they could have easily called that a high stick. They they could have, but the call on the ice was a goal and they just kept it there. And yeah. I think that's the way it should be officiated. If it's too close to call, just stick with the call on the ice, and that's what yeah. they did. So like because I'm sure you could like zoom in and be like eh, it's, a, it's a centimeter too high it's just like i think that's lame to yeah. overturn goals like that especially in a moment like that and then you slow down the game for 10 minutes and kill all that momentum right. and then you put and it's, i just think it's a waste of time yeah i agree it, it was it was a good call i had no problem with paul maurice challenging it because that was the difference you in might the game. as well but yeah like might you're, as well. You're, you're not winning after yeah. that you might as well might as well and then at the end of the game we just had all hell break loose with kachuk and ton of other players on the panthers i think it was the last like four minutes the knights were on the power play like it was yeah. it was it, it was bad um but like I, said, I think this is going to be a good series. I think it's going to be close. I I would not it would not shock me at all if the Panthers go and win game two, and this goes six or seven games because the difference in this game was just a couple mistakes made by the Panthers. Yep. And the scary thing, if you're a Panthers fan, and it scares me as someone who doesn't want the Knights to win, Jack Eichel has gone what like eight games now without a goal, like. Yep. He's going to get going here soon, and there Vegas is still finding ways to win without him scoring goals. But like, and I think that's one of the dangerous parts of Vegas getting Jack Eichel is it forces you to put your Alexander Barkov right. on him. But there's just so much talent spread throughout the lineup, and so many guys producing that you're essentially neutralizing Barkov by having him put on Eichel and allowing everyone else to open up at the same time. So even if he's not producing it's kind of in a roundabout way. He's still helping the team at the same right. time. He's still making those great plays and picking up oh, points. Yeah. So it's not like it's just when's Eichel going to come through because he is, he's playing great. He's but dude, I did not know how good of a defensive player he was. He's been phenomenal in these playoffs defensively. Like I, I think a lot of that goes to Bruce Cassidy. Again, I think a lot of that is just getting people bought into the system. And I think a lot of it is Eichel learning after from being in Buffalo where you don't really have to give a shit about defense because you suck. And from last year adjusting to that and now having a better coach in Cassidy for a full season, picking it up pretty quickly because he's a fantastic player. Yeah. He's phenomenal dude. And I, I, I want to go back to what you said earlier. I couldn't agree more. I, I don't hate this Vegas team. Like I, I, I won't go as far to say I like them, but if they win, it wouldn't be the end of the world yeah. for me. I mean, because I, I tolerate I, the, I tolerate the team more, the fans. Mm, yeah, I'm still fair. out, still out on that. Don't like make no mistake on that subject. Vegas fans, I a couple of you are cool. Uh, the majority of you, I do my best to ignore. So the team, I think, is more tolerable. Fans, really not like there. There were worse options than Vegas, but this series is far from over. I, yeah. I think there's going to be a game where. Bobrovsky goes crazy again and you're going to get like a three-point night from Kachuk but can you do that four times in this series against this night's team this is the pause I had about the Panthers coming into this series is I think they're going to be able to do all of those things can they do it four times and can Bobrovsky be that player because if he can't I don't know they have enough to make up the difference against yeah. this Vegas team especially when Aiden Hill's putting up a 943 and making saves like that yeah, couldn't agree more. But I, I hope the series is good because it was it was a fantastic game one, and I think it's going to continue. I, I just I'm really hoping the Panthers can come out and make this series close and win game two. Yeah, I think best case scenario is they win game two. You go to a ruckus Florida building for games three and four, and just hopefully we get some overtime games sprinkled yeah. in there. Something, something. But overall, great game one. Kudos to Vegas, but I do think Florida's going to bounce back. I agree. I still have Vegas in seven. I'm still begrudgingly taking Florida in six. Yeah. Well, you got you got to stick with that. You can't change yeah. it now. Not, not going to change not, it. It's not the early part of the bracket challenge where it's like yeah. two days in, you can change your bracket for some reason, but you got yeah. st to stick with those now. Fair enough. Fair enough. But let's, uh, before we do our draft, there was a little bit of abs news that we do have to talk about with the whole Val Nachushkin thing. Yes. Um, there was some video released from our guy, Steve Steger, that he tracked down, uh, which it's 
it's I always forget that Steve's a journalist and that he has the capabilities to do this stuff. But he was able to get the police cam footage. Uh, it wasn't a great look, if I'm going to be honest with you. What well, wasn't a great look? But, really wasn't. But after that, uh, Bill Daly went and did like the State of the Union for the NHL, and it came out that the Avs did everything right. Valnichushkin's in no trouble, and if everything goes well, he's going to be playing for the Avs opening night. Yes, he is. I think the key word is he's eligible yeah. to play opening night, not that he's going to, because. All we know, this is I think this is the most concrete thing we have about this, is the exact quote from Bill Daly is, there's no ongoing investigation, meaning no criminal investigation. We've known that. We know exactly what happened. It was handled appropriately at the club level, and I think at the league level, and he's eligible to play in the league. So whatever that means, I don't want to sit here and speculate on possible meanings of where Val Nachushkin is or what is going on, because that's irresponsible and I don't know and I don't have a concrete answer and I don't want to put ideas into anybody's head but really the only thing we have is we have the little bit of redacted body cam footage where we don't we're not getting the full story there's a lot of stuff blurred out for for personal reasons and everything like that you also should take into context that the the lady in the video is very drunk in that moment as well and it's a it's a difficult situation to analyze because you have very sporadic bits of evidence but we i think right now we just kind of have to to trust the process with the team and hope that one day we will have the answers but also maybe accept that that might not ever come but at the same time there's no criminal investigation happening right now if something truly nefarious happened with val nachushkin i think we would know by now that yes. if like, something truly awful and bad happened, we would know. Yes. Because like, the, the NHL can cover things up all they want. The the law is a different thing. You can't you can't cover something like that. You can't just throw money and be like, yeah, we're not gonna arrest this guy or do whatever. Yeah. So shout out Steve for being on the case. He he's been kind of at the forefront of getting a lot of the stuff uh for the abs fans to get out there. Um, but yeah, it the way I took it, same way you did, that Bill Daly said that he's eligible to play. And I think that's probably the most we're going to get out of this story for yeah. probably the rest of time. Yeah, probably for the rest of the offseason, unless we hear from Val himself that something's going to happen. Also, worth mentioning, not a guarantee he's going to be there opening night. It's yeah. it's a maybe. We don't have any concrete evidence, but when Val Nachushkin is back, he is allowed to play. So you can take that however you want. So got that out of the way. It was like the only abs news that's happened in the last like four days. Hey, everybody. Hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. Interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook. Light the lamp during the hockey playoffs with DraftKings Sportsbook because right now new customers can make a $5 bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. Especially now as we get into the final as the Vegas Golden Knights take on the Florida Panthers. DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered with just about any bet you could possibly imagine. Obviously money line, puck line, all that great stuff, but you can bet same game parlays, playoff series props, player props, anything you can think of. You can even bet on the draft coming up in less than a month. Anything you can think of, DraftKings Sportsbook has got you covered. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can make a $5 hockey playoff bet and score $150 in bonus bets instantly. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelp.com. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details and state specific responsible gambling resources. Now back to the episode. Let's uh let's move on to this draft, dude. I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. This is we'll gonna be fun. This. So one of the rules for this is that we were not allowed to do any prep beforehand or like build a draft or do a marquee strategy, which is a very fancy way of saying we thought about this an hour ago. Yep. So 
What we're going to do first is we're going to go back and forth. Actually, we can figure out a rule now. Do you want to do a snake draft or do no, you want to go we'll back? We'll get lost in the snake draft. Okay. Let's just go back and forth. We'll just go back and <laughs> forth. So what we're going to do is I have a, I've looked up heads or tails on Google and Christian is going to call heads or tails. If he's right, he gets to pick first. If not, then I will pick first. So Christian, heads or tails? Uh, tails never fails. And is flipping and it is tails. So oh, yeah. Christian- We'll have the first pick in the 2023 Teledabs It Is all-time avalanche draft. Christian Bollet, you are on the clock. Oh, this is tough. This is really tough. Um, do I have a time? No, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, we have to end the show eventually. Yep, so. eventually. This is tough, but I think I'm going to go with the greatest goalie in NHL history. I'm going to take Patrick Waugh with my first pick. Interesting pick. I don't hate that pick. It's It takes it off the board for me, so... I like that pick. It's not a bad pick to go with the worst or the best goalie of all time. Right. That's kind of my thought. Like if you build from the goaltender out, you can kind of hide a lot of problems. Yeah, you really can. You really can. So I'm going to take my first pick. This to me would have been my first pick anyway. I'm going to take the big man himself at the very top, arguably the greatest player in abs history, Joe Sackick. You You can build a hell of a team just so long as you've got Joe Sackick in the middle one of the best leaders in NHL history, one of the all-time, the all-time points leaders in Avalanche history. There's very few things Joe Sackick just didn't do well and does not currently do well to this day. As To me, that's a slam dunk. I like that pick a lot because he is, like, people forget how good Joe Sackick was as a player. Um, he had, what, 630 goals, I want to say, and over 1,100 points. Like, yeah. Joe Sackick is the man. And... Yeah. You can debate it all you want. He is the greatest player in Avalanche history. Yeah. And like until Nathan McKinnon can take that moniker from him, it is Joe Sackick and is going to be Joe Sackick for a while still. Like McKinnon still has like a ways to go to get there before he can knock Sackick off that list. 391 goals, 624 assists, 1,015 points in 870 games. Joe Sackick is the best player in Avs history, and I would want no one else down the middle to run my team. Fair. I like that. I like that. So I'm up next. Uh, This may be a little early to take this player, but I have a feeling you're going to take him next. I'm going to take Kale McCarr. Interesting. Okay. I like that. I mean, Kale McCarr is very high on my list for very, very obvious reasons. I like that. That's a tough one because yeah, the reason why I'm taking him is because there are a lot of good defensemen in Avalanche history. Like my list for defensemen was a lot longer than probably any other position I had. But Kale McCarr is the game changer that I think could fare really well in an all-time team lineup, and he can skate with any of these guys. Like he's not just a a stay-at-home defenseman, which we know. So my first two picks, I got Patrick Wong, Kale McCarr. I think I like those first two picks. Awesome. I'm frantically realizing I should probably be writing this down at the same time. Oh, so I'm, I'm highlighting it. Don't worry. Okay. I got you. I got I'm, you. I'm, keep, I'm keeping track because I also want to make sure I'm not going to repeat any players at the same time. So for my second pick for all-time Avalanche player, I am stalling because I'm still trying to think of one. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Milan Hayduk. One of the best. Oh, I didn't think you'd snag him. That's a good pick. I like that one. You got Sackick. You got Hey Duke on the wing. You could take Rantanen for the futures, but Hey Duke, I mean, he played over a thousand games in the NHL, 375 goals, 805 points, the full package. I mean, there was a long gap between having 50 goal scorers on this team. And the last one was Milan. Hey Duke, I I'm totally okay right now with having the number one and number two point score. In Avalanche history. Yeah, that's really good. I was hoping he could sneak by a couple more rounds. I'm going to be honest with you. I thought you'd go a different strategy. Oh, that's tough. Um, I really like Milan Hayduk there. Oh, God. Okay, I'm up next. I need to grab a center. Uh, you, got give me Peter to, Fors- you got plenty to pick from. I know. Give me, give me Peter Forsberg. I like it. I like I, it. I mean, Peter Forsberg, he's always going to go down as one of those guys that if injuries didn't get in the way, where would he be in the all-time greats? He's obviously one of the greatest abs of all time, but if he never gets injured and never has those ankle problems, I think he could possibly go down as like one of the top 40 players in NHL history. 
I totally agree with that. But I will argue that that didn't happen. And Peter Forsberg, I think, for this draft, you're drafting the player and their right. career that happens. And I I love that pick. Love Peter Forsberg. I think it's one of the the biggest shames in NHL history that that man only played, what, oh, just over 500 games in the NHL, 544 to be exact, and 705 points. And when you go by points per game, that's the most in Avs history at yeah. 1.3. He is an all-time great that just couldn't get any luck. But this is probably not great drafting strategy, but I'm just going to keep going down. I'm going to take Nathan McKinnon. Ah, you gonna bastard. Have, I'm going to have right down my middle. And I did we mention the ground rules for this? We're taking two lines Yeah, this team so far, two D pairs and two goalies. So my centers are done for this draft. I have Joe Sackick and Nathan McKinnon, and I don't need to worry about that for the rest of the draft. Yeah, so, that's a pretty good one-two punch, if you say so myself. Um, yeah. yeah, that's a really good one-two punch. I I was hoping you would take a different strategy and maybe let McKinnon slide a little bit more. I just I cannot in good faith let McKinnon fall in the draft. Just like if I yeah. have a chance to have Sackick and McKinnon on the same team, you you simply have to do it. I mean, you've got arguably the two best players in Avs history on the same team. That's pretty exactly. good. All right. That leaves me. I'm gonna take the left wing. I'm gonna take the arguably the best left wing in Avs history. Give me the captain, Gabe Landeskog. I love it. I love it. It's you can't go wrong with Captain Gabe. You got the leader on your team. I got Sackick on my team. Maybe it'll be one of those things where we're talking about Landis Gog and the the Peter Forsberg breath someday. Where yeah, you know, I'm building a Swedish super team. That's what I'm going for right now. And I love it. I love it. I'm gonna go. This is a tough one here. I'm gonna think about this a little bit. I'm gonna go with for mine. I'm gonna start to build out my D. I'm gonna take Adam Foot. I like that. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. That's a physical defenseman that you know is going to just wreak havoc on my fucking forwards. Could you imagine the net, the net front battles between him and Gabe Landeskog? Legendary. It, <laughs> they would probably leave like craters in the ice or like Dragon Ball Z style. Every time they hit each other, there's just a wave of energy. Yeah, that those would be out. some disgusting battles. Um, okay, I like I like it. Um, I'm going to take – I need a right winger. G- give me Miko. I give like me it. Miko. I mean, it, I, it kind of seems like we're building very era-focused teams right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I have a lot of the. I, I just once you took Hayduk off the board, who I think is probably the best right winger in Abs history, I had to take Miko because you just need he's he's a freak. I mean, the first fifty goal scorer since Milan Hayduk. I'll take the 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 only other one in Abs history to score fifty. It's hard to argue that. So just to make sure we're on the same page through four rounds. My team is Joe Sackick, Milan Hayduk, Nathan McKinnon, and Adam Foote. Yours yep. is Patrick Waugh, Kel McCarr, Peter Forsberg, and Miko Rantanen. And Gabe Landeskog. I have one Gabe more picture. Okay. See, that's why I need to be writing this down. No, I got you. Don't worry. Don't I, worry. I know. I know. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. That's why That's why I'm doing this now. <laughs> just to be sure. I knew you said Landeskog, but I just didn't yep. get it down. You're so. good. You're good. You're good. So I got my two centers down the middle. I got my right winger. Should I keep building on the wing or should I start to to branch out a little bit? I'm going to take, I'm going to build out my first line. I'm going to take Alex Tangay. Oh, you bastard. You bastard. That's who I have. I was that, I was really going to take him next. I'm, Alex Tangay is one of the more underrated abs of all time. Uh, I love the way Alex Tangay played. And when he left for Calgary, that broke my heart into a million pieces when I was a little kid. He was very underrated for the Avs and scored the two goals in game seven against New Jersey. That is a fantastic pick, my friend. Your your top line of Joe Sackick, Alex Tangay, Milan Hayduk is pretty fucking solid. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. And as we saw, pretty solid too. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. Damn you. Okay. Um, For my next pick, uh, give me Rob Blake. I'll take Rob Blake. All right. I like that. I got one. a D pair of Makar and Rob Blake. That's pretty fucking solid. Yeah, that's where that's where your team has the edge over mine right now. That damn, that's a good pick. That was going to be my pick. You took one from me finally. Fair enough. We're good there. We're good there. I'll take it. But Rob Blake, love Rob Blake, the master of the hip check. Uh, he was before Kale McCarr. He was the closest thing to Kale McCarr the Abs have ever had. Yeah, I should also mention uh, with this. I know someone's screaming, "Why haven't you taken Ray Bork yet?" 
we should mention like when you're drafting Ray Bork in this draft, you're not getting the Ray Bork that was in Boston. You're getting the Ray Bork that was with the Avs, which yeah. is still fantastic, but that's not the same Ray Bork that was in Boston. Correct. Just to make sure that's specified, but also staying on the theme of defensemen. I'm going to take friend of the show, John Michael Lyles. I had him on my list. Build out I had him on my list. So I got that top pair of foot and Lyles. I love that. I love that. I like that pick too. Um, I'm going to go back to the wing. Uh, make my second left winger. Give me Valerie Kaminsky. Kaminsky. I like that one. Um, I like, I, I didn't really get a chance to watch Kaminsky because I was just like two years old. But for those four years he was in Colorado, he was elite. And my left wing pair of Landeskog and Kaminsky, I think, adds uh, some grit and some goal scoring that I'll take all day. For sure. As a nasty, nasty top pair. All right. So now for mine, centers are done. I still got Hey Duke on the wing. I got my top line. I got two spots left on my wing, and I got two spots left on defense. I feel like I can get away. I'm not going to reveal my my draft strategy. For right now. <laughs> I'm going to take a guy who was here for a while and was a really solid puck mover for a long time and the top defensive point scorer in Abs history. I'm going to take Tyson Berry. I had him on my list. That That's a good pick. That's a good pick. He does have his defensive liabilities, but what he can do for you offensively, I think is a really solid addition to your team. Completely agree. So I'm going to, I got my three defensemen down and you had one more pick than me. You had Rantanen, Blake, and who else at this point? So I have Rantanen, Blake, Kaminsky, Landeskog, Forsberg, and Patrick Waugh. Yeah. I forgot to write down Kaminsky. So we're good. All right. I'm up next. I got to take this last winger and that'll complete my wingers. Uh, Give me Claude Lemieux on the right wing. Damn you. That was going to be, that was going to be my sleeper pick. Yeah. I, I'm going to take Claude Lemieux. Uh, my team now has some grit. Uh, some By what many considered to be dirty, I'll take it. And I got some pretty solid wing depth here. And I'm feeling really good right now. I'm feeling really good. I like it. I like it. I'm going to build out my wing mark, my uh, my wing depth as well. And I'm going to take Adam Deadmarsh. Ooh, that's a good pick. The right wing. I like that one for Deadmarsh. So I've got one spot open. On my wings, still. You took Claude the Mew. That was that was gonna be my sleeper pick. Yeah, you thought he could sneak by, but he's not going to. Um. Okay. Uh. So I'm up next. I'm gonna take another defenseman. Uh. I'm gonna take Devon Taves. Fuck you. That was my. That was gonna. <laughs> that was gonna be my Barry Taves sleeper second pair. Yeah. Now I I, I like my decor of uh so far of Kale McCarr, Rob Blake, and Devon Taves a lot. Jeez, how can you not, man? Boom. All right. All right. You're up next. All right. I'm going to take, I'm going to finish out my defense and I'm going to take Sandiz Ozo, I always Ozo Lynch. Ozo Lynch. Yeah. I always screw up his name, but I'm going to take him as well and round out my D pair. And I'm going to have for my D pair, I'm going to have foot Lyles, Berries and Ozo Lynch on there as well. And honestly love that defense. Wish I, I could like it too. Wish I could have gotten one of Kale or Taze, but I'm fine. I'm fine with that. Okay, I like it. Uh, I'm going to take my second center with my next pick. I'm going to take Paul Stastny. Um, I like Paul Stastny. There was some debate internally with my team, uh, which was just myself. I really wanted to take Nazem Kadri, but I feel like Stastny was better for the Avs for longer, and he was really with the team in the dark times of the Avs. So I, I feel pretty good about uh, about Paul Stastny. I like that pick. I mean, when Stastny was here, he was great. And he knows maybe he'll be back here next year. Yeah. Who knows? But that completes, I I, I got my one, two punch of Stastny and for or Forsberg and Stastny. Um, and then on their wings, you got Landeskog, Kaminsky, Miko and Claude Lemieux. That's a pretty gross team. You see for my last pick, I could take Andre Burakovsky because I can do whatever I want. You could, you could. I, I certainly can do that because I can do whatever I want. I'm a free. It's not your last pick. You still got, you still got your two goalies, right? Oh yes. You're so right. I still have yeah. my two goalies that I totally have not completely <laughs> forgotten about. And so with that in mind, I am going to take, I'm going to take Varlamov. With ah, this that, that was going to yeah. be mine if you didn't take him. Yeah. 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with my goaltending as I probably should eventually. Man, someone was probably screaming at me, yep. like, dude, you gotta take your goalies eventually. I didn't forget. I, I mean, having Varlama fall to you this late, I mean, he's you could argue he's the second best goalie in Avs history. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I like that pick. I loved Varley when he was here, man. I I we ran him into the fucking ground when he was here, but he was so fucking good, dude. He he's, was awesome. So he got robbed of the of the Vesna that year, uh, 2013. Yeah. That dude was a fucking workhorse. He's still uh, good. He's still, I mean, he's a backup now behind Sorokin. But if you're taking a full career of Semyon Varlamov, you take that every time. He's still good to this day. Was great in his prime. Not one of the best of his generation, but you don't need you don't need that. You don't yeah. need him to be. Varlamov, no. I think, especially I think behind this team I'm building here, I, I'm plenty fine with that. Yeah, you're feeling good. I'm going to take my last defenseman. I know we talked about I'm going to take Ray Bork. Um, good pick. Just because if you're telling me he's my fourth defenseman, I'm feeling pretty damn good about that. I mean, even Ray Bork in the the two years he was here was still phenomenal. Like, yes. there's no two ways about it. Yeah, he was at the end of his career, still easily one of the best defensemen in the league. Yes, I, I I I like that a lot. My decor is pretty fucking solid, man. I'm feeling yeah. pretty good about my decor. I'm, I'm missing one of your picks. So I got Lemieux, Stastny, Bork. Who's between that after Kamensky? Oh geez, now I have uh, Stasny. So I got Stasny, Forsberg, Landeskog, Kaminsky, Miko, Claude, Kale, Rob Blake, Ray Bork, Devon Taves, and Patrick. Hayes, that's who I was missing. Okay, I wasn't going to take him anyway because I remembered that one. But I just yeah. want to want to make sure I'm getting it all down already. There we go. All so right, I well still... we're, we're we're rounding out here. So you've got you still got a winger and a goalie that you got to pick. Yep, I got my last left winger that I've got to pick. And my last backup goalie that I have to pick as well. I'm good. I'm just going to stick with the goalies and I am going to take, I'm going to take Georgiev. Honestly, uh, I, I feel, I feel perfectly fine with a one, two punch of Varlamov and Georgiev. Yeah. It's only been one year. I know, but I really loved what I saw from Georgiev this season. I, I really have no reason to think that he's going to go anywhere anytime soon yeah i've i've got full confidence in him i feel like I, if kemper just didn't get stabbed in the eye this would have been the pick probably instead after one yeah two, it's just like that that one playoff run i feel like probably soured him a little bit in some of our eyes and yep. you just so consistent if you could have him as a backup also i feel like that is probably good for him and varlamov at the same time yeah see that's tough because i completely agree with you i, I want to take darcy kemper because he was phenomenal in the one year he was here, but, but like you said, the playoffs we won in spite of Darcy Kemper. Right, he was a nine oh two, and that wasn't his fault. He could no. not see. But you can easily take Darcy Kemper and probably not have too much trouble justifying it. But with only one season here, and he was good with the Capitals this season. He's been excellent with the Coyotes in the past. I think it's a fine pick if you want to do it. I'm not going to make your pick for yeah, you. Yeah, it's tough because he's the only other goalie who's won to stand the cup for the Avs. Right. And, uh, I mean, since you already have your goalies, I I'm really, like, the other goalies I had on my list were Darcy Kemper, Craig Anderson, and Philip Grubauer. And, oh, my God. I think, I think I'm... Oh, this is tough because we're talking all time. It isn't just one year. I can't let the can't let the Darcy Kemper get more. I'm gonna take Philip Grubauer. I'm gonna take Gruby as my backup. A little more consistent year over year in Colorado, outside of like a few playoff games. Yeah, here just and for the longevity part of it. Because if you look at the Avs and goaltenders outside of Patrick Waugh, they really haven't had a long term goaltender. Like it's been like short four or five year runs for all yeah, the goalies. It's basically since been Waugh. it's basically been Patrick Waugh and Varlamov as like some yeah. of the longest tenured goalies in that entire time. I mean, it's I think it's a perfectly fine pick to make. I have no yeah. problem with it whatsoever. All right, all right. That was a tough. That was probably the hardest pick of the draft for me, honestly. But I, I like Gruby as a backup. Yeah, and now I've got to think as well. You know what? I'm just gonna keep on brand. Give me Berkey. <laughs> Give me Berkey to round out my team on that second line. Give me the sniper between him and Andrew Brunette. Brunette did good things for us. He also did bad things to us. I just feel like it would be a little wrong to take Brunette over Berkey, considering my love for Berkey and Brunette's kind of a wash 
for the most part. Did yeah, things... I don't think he played. I don't think Burnett played long enough with us to justify him. And I know I just said, like, I'm not going to take Stanley Cups into effect, but Berkey did win a Stanley Cup and he was an integral part of winning that cup. Yeah. So I, I like I mean, that. I mean, Brunette played like 245 games with the Avs, had a point per game season at 83, but I just, I cannot ignore my, my favorite player of all time, Andre Burakovsky. It just, it would feel wrong to not have him on my team. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's fair. I like that. Okay. And it's not like he's low on that list. I mean, he's statistically points wise up there enough on that list, 29th all time in points with the team, 150 and 191 games, where it's like, I feel like I can justify that enough. Hey, everybody, hope you've been enjoying this episode so far, interrupting to bring you a word from our sponsors at Raycon. If you're anything like me, you've been asking yourself the question of, what is wrong with headphones today? Why is everything so expensive? Why does everything sound so bad? And why does it just never fit in my ears? But thankfully, our sponsor today at Raycon has got you covered. Raycon is premium audio at the perfect price point, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, without breaking the bank. Raycon believes that you shouldn't have to pay an arm and a leg for quality sound and essential smart tech listening features. You can get a pair and a spare and still pay less than you would with some of those other big name tech brands. They have easy and free return guarantees. And best of all, they've got plenty of features. Three customizable sound profiles, noise isolation, crystal clear call quality, and eight hours of playtime on their everyday earbuds and their water and sweat resistant. And what I love the most, they fit. They've got custom gel tips for the perfect, most comfortable in-ear fit. What a crazy concept. Headphones that actually fit in your ears. So what are you waiting for? Go to Raycon.com slash THPN today to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's by Raycon.com slash THPN to score 15% off. Now, back to the episode. That's fair. Okay, well, let's let's recap it here. We'll go you first. You well, hang on. I'll go me first because I didn't write down your other two because your other two picks were off my board. Uh, so my centers, I'm gonna roll Peter Forsberg first, uh, and then Paul Stassi is my second line center. On the left wing, I have Gabe Landeskog and Val- Valerie Kaminsky. My right wing, I got Miko Rantanen and Claude Lemieux. For my D pairs, I have Kale McCarr, Rob Blake, and then I have Ray Bork and Devon Taves. And kicking it in net, I got Patrick Waugh and Philip Grubauer. Yeah, I'm very quickly trying to organize my list in my head. But I've got on my top line at the left wing, I've got Alex Tangye down the middle, Joe Sackick and Milan Hayduke on his right. My second line is Andre Burakovsky, Nathan McKinnon, and Adam Deadmarsh. On my defense, we're going to have that top line of Foot and Johnny Michael Lyles. We're going to have, please help me with the name again. I always get it wrong. Sandus Ozilich? Yeah, Sandus Ozilich going to have him on the top or on the the second pair and have him with Tyson Berry, my one, two in goal, Semyon Varlamov and Alex Georgiev. We're going to tweet all this out too. You guys are going to vote on who had the best team or who would win head to head in this matchup of all time abs players. I think the strength of your team is your forwards, but I like my defensemen. I think we can shut you guys down. Um, My fear is, is center depth. I mean, you're telling me that Paul Stassen has to match up against Nathan McKinnon and or Joe Sackick. I'm not feeling too great about that, <laughs> but it's it's tight. It, it, it's it's really, really tight. And I think we could have gone on and done a full like team, but that's just terrible radio. That would have been. Yeah, like, it would have gotten old pretty quickly. Yeah. I think two of each is, is more than enough in this situation. Yeah. So Honestly, feeling- I, I like my team. I think we can. We've got enough good players on offense, but it's not like I drafted any guys who are like defensively irresponsible no. or going to sacrifice anything. Your forwards are definitely going to have to back check, though, because your defense is, outside of Adam Foote, a lot of uh, very active defensemen. You know what? And that's okay. I think we, I think we can live with that at the end of the day. We've got, we've got Barlamov and we've got Georgiev. I think it's more fair to make this a playoff series where you have to alternate these because otherwise that makes the second pick useless. So in a seven-game series, I can see your team giving us some some trouble. There's a lot of leadership on that team, some size. You got Patrick Waugh and Nett. I think that's the the big difference maker is if you're getting the best Patrick Waugh 
then Sackick and McKinnon are going to have their work cut out for them. But I, th- I think they can do it. I think they've got it. I agree. It's just, it, it'd be a tight series. It'd be fun. How lucky are we as Avs fans just to be able to do, like, we just did a draft and it's like, we've still yeah, like we're, we're not even We're not even including any Qu- like Quebec players or yeah. any more Deeks. Like, this is just when the Avs moved here and we have this collection of players all time. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. But that was fun. I, I had a good time doing that. Um, like Griffin said, we'll tweet all this out. Let us know who would win. Um, this will be a pride thing for Griffin and I to see who wins. I, I we, we have no monetary involvement in this, but none whatsoever. I mean, Tangye, Sakic, Hey Duke, and McKinnon playing with Dead Marsh is kind of gross. Yeah, he's kind of like uh, he's like a poor man's version of Landeskog. Yeah. So but, I like that pick. You had a solid draft, man. It's all it's draft. Like you, you, take, you take Landeskog and you put him on the right wing and you take a Miko light and Berkey and you put him on the, the left wing. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of what he has already with yeah. Lefty and McKinnon, just not as good. Sackick McKinnon. That's, I just think that's, that's pretty gross. I mean, you got the two best, two of the best players in Avs history right there at one, two. So yeah, it's pretty gross. I was hoping you'd let McKinnon slip, but no. It's all I'm, good. I'm willing because, like, because if I was going to let McKinnon slip, it would be for a defenseman. Right. And I was able to get my my demon later in the draft. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Well, let's. Uh, that was fun. I had a good time doing that. Let us know. We'll po- we'll post a poll to see who wins. Um, there was some more NHL news that happened. Uh, we kind of alluded to it on the last episode. Uh, very funny and just sticking very on brand with why, how the NHL just recycles its coaches, even though they're probably like long gone. Mike Babcock got hired by a team and not or a team that's like in a, huh? Allegedly will yeah. be hired. Allegedly will be hired. He got hired by a team that's not in a win now mode. It's a bunch of young players. And what does Mike Babcock hate? Young, young players. players. Yeah. Like what is Columbus thinking with this move, man? This, this is one of the like most head scratching head coaching decisions I've seen in a very long time. Yeah. It's the kind of one where it's like, it's not even just that, Oh, Mike Babcock is coming back to coach and whoever hires him is stupid. It's Columbus that will be doing this. A team that probably is going to need to go through a couple of years of integrating some young players into the lineup and getting them to play some games. They just signed uh, Johnny Gaudreau to that contract. And I don't think Mike Babcock is going to be the biggest fan of Johnny Gaudreau as the head coach of that team. But like, this seems like a match made in hell. Like I, I could somewhat justify, I could see the justif justification for like the Rangers. I still think that's a terrible hire, but I could see why, like what the thought process there, the old time thinking of, these players need a good kick in the ass with a like one of the most hard ass coaches of all time. Columbus, really? You're gonna tell me that Patrick Line and Mike Babcock are going to get along mutually to make Line produce? Really? That that may put Patrick Line on the trade block at the trade deadline next year. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so I I don't know. It's just back to the NHL, just recycling coaches, and it's just, not like. I just don't understand why. Like I Mike Babcock is such a, a famous name among like old hockey heads, probably because he's coached Team Canada and won gold medals with Team Canada. Did they really need a coach with that no. team? Probably not. Do you want you want a Stanley Cup? What are you talking about? With the 08 Red Wings, which is one of the best teams ever assembled, like just a really solid team. And I would argue, yeah, he only won one Stanley Cup with that Red Wings team. How do you not win more with that team? And got to game seven against the same team the next year. I mean, he lost to the same team he beat the year before, the year after. Does that not kind of like wash it a little bit maybe? Yeah, but I, I don't know, man. It's just one of those moves that I I, I think is stupid. I, I really do. I think it's dumb and it's just going to have to be, I don't know. I just think it's a really dumb move. I, and it's, the, it's the kind of move that makes me wonder if Yarmo Kekalainen is really the guy that should be running this team. If if that's what he thinks his team needs to get there. Because like that to me, like that's a break glass in case of emergency, get results in the short term at all costs. Because like maybe that works for one year. You get results for one year out of a hard ass coach like Babcock, like the Flames did under Daryl Sutter. 
got one year of results. With this team, this is a process. I mean, Gaudreau and Jenner are 29, and there's only one guy on their offense over 30, and he is 30, and that's Sean Corrali. Lyonnais 25, Kent Johnson is 20, Roslovic's 26, Marchenko's 22, Foodie's 23, Sillinger's 20. Like their defense is young too. Wierenski's 25, Beans 24, Boquist is 22. Like they've just got a whole bunch of young guys on this team. And I, I cannot even imagine that this is a kind of team that even Mike Babcock would want to coach. Yeah, I, I, I just don't get it. And it's not like Babcock was good in Toronto. Like he was they hated fine. him near the end. They literally didn't let him get on the plane. And you know, like you, you can have you cannot have the conversation about Mike Babcock without talking about Mitch Marner and I think more importantly, Johan Franzen. Yeah. What Mike Babcock put Johan Franzen through, the uh, the mental abuse where Johan Franzen, who is a phenomenal player did not want to show up to the rink and called him one of the worst people he's ever met. That goes a little beyond hard ass and like, wow, you're just a dick. Yeah, just a dick. That's a, that's a good way to put it. But yeah, I mean, don't love that move. I imagine this will end in flames and they'll be in the head coaching market in two years. It should be very entertaining in the short term. I mean, it's also not signed and delivered. There's something that his contract with the Leafs will officially expire at the end of the month. And then if they hire him later, they don't have to pay him or Toronto doesn't have to pay the contract or whatever, yeah. however that works again. But, but I didn't just, he sign like a 10 year, hundred million dollar deal with them. It was a super long contract. Cause I think it was 2016. Yeah. There was his first year. And then they made the playoffs the next year after they got Matthews, if I'm remembering it correctly. Yeah. He signed be... like the big, he was the biggest, like the the hottest commodity when it came to coaching, when yeah. he left the Red Wings. One of the biggest contracts, I believe it was seven years. If I'm doing the, the math okay. right in my head was a seven year contract. And it was very expensive too, which means the Leafs had to be very sure that they wanted to, to get rid of him at that point. I just, I cannot for the life of me understand this. And if we want to talk about other head coaching stuff, I don't understand what the hell are the Rangers doing? Like Laviolette, Hines, are we building a collection of like coaches you sh should not be on your list at yeah. all? I, I, I don't know, man. It. It's I weird. It's weird with the head coaching world for sure. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting, but man, I, I just don't like that move for Columbus. Don't like that move for the Rangers. I, I still, I honestly think Babcock would have been better fitted for New York. Yeah. I still think that's a bad hire in New York, but I can see the justification for it where it's right. like, if you had to hire Mike Babcock where like some team has to hire him, I could see the Rangers being that team Columbus. I cannot for the life of me understand that like that's like chicago like i yeah. don't get that whatsoever like this is a young team that is going to be going through a process of building up a lot of these players and building up a long-term core and now you're risking like isolating a lot of these guys what are you gonna like bring in a bunch of veterans and like just completely forego this this building that you've been doing for the last several years for what short-term results like columbus has ever had that just, yeah, no, just... it, it, it's it's brutal, man. But overall, we'll see what happens in the in the rest of the NHL head coaching world. But yeah, Columbus, that was stupid. Very stupid. It's just it's a silly move that I don't really understand. But it's not the only news that's happening. Uh, Kyle Dubas, a seven year contract in Pittsburgh as not the GM, but the president of hockey operations. So he doesn't get the role he wanted in Toronto, but he gets in Pittsburgh and I think for his sake, probably a little less meddling from ownership, hopefully, because FSG self-admitted not the smartest hockey people in the world. No. And they've admitted that. They know that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like the move. I, I think Dubas is a good executive uh, being on in Toronto. Like the expectations, I think, are jacked up a little bit. I think he comes back down to earth a little bit with the uh, with the Penguins, but the Penguins still have like are they going to be able to squeeze one more run out of this core? They better, but it's, it's going to be interesting. I like the move for the penguins. So I think it's a move in the right direction. It's a change from Hextall and Burke, which I think is what they needed to do. Yeah. I mean, you cannot have a worse tandem in Pittsburgh yeah. than the one you already had with, with Ron Hextall and Brian Burke at the helm. It's going to take some work, I think, to really work this, this penguins team back into shape. But I mean, 
I've seen a lot of people being like, oh, they're too old. Like, no, I think you can still get some more out of Crosby and Malkin and Latang, but you you are running out of time to really capitalize on a lot of that. I mean, Sidney Crosby just had a 93-point season, which is the best he's done since 2019 when he had 100 points. Like, he's still very much that guy. And Evgeny Malkin, like, is he the Evgeny Malkin he was in the early 2010s? No, but he also still had 83 points this season and was still a point-per-game player. Latang's tougher to judge because he was in and out of the lineup. He had a stroke. His dad died. Yeah. Like, it maybe cut the guy a little bit of slack on this season where he was still solid. Chris Latang is just the ultimate, like, whipping boy that I've ever seen. Oh. Just some Pittsburgh people fucking hate this guy. They, yeah, he can do no right. Yeah, he can do no right. And to some people, he can do no wrong. And so it's just a perfectly balanced thing at the same time. So if you're if you're a Sam Girard defender who feels crazy, just remember that like Chris Letang's entire career for the most part has been spent like having to be defended from people because he for the second Stanley Cup, he didn't play. So therefore, you don't need him. Heard that one before. Yeah, heard that one a long time ago. You're bringing back flashbacks. Yeah, but I like to move for the Penguins. I think it's a move in the right direction. And uh, I, do, Dubis, I, also, I think will be better. I also just think it's really funny that we all dog on the Leafs so much, yet the second their staff and their their managers become available, it's Scott Carberry to Washington in a move that is, I think, brilliant. I think that's a great head coach hire. It's a guy who used to run the Bears and familiar with the system and a te- like a, a guy a lot of teams really, really wanted. And then Kyle Dubas goes on the market and it's like Ottawa wants him, Pittsburgh wants like they gave him president. They didn't give him GM. They gave him president for seven years. That is a coveted guy. So yeah. I just I just think it's so funny that whenever we start dogging on Toronto and like this guy should be fired and they should do this and that, the second they become available, they're every, hot commodities. Everybody wants them. Yep. Yep. So that's uh, you know what we for only one hockey game on, we I feel like we scrounge together a pretty good episode right there. Yeah, we scrounge together some pretty good stuff. We can talk about or complain about the salary cap only going up a million dollars because of the the player debts. But I don't even think it's worth it because we knew this was going to happen. Yeah, you know what I mean, news. Like, it's what yeah. I said. Like it's if you're getting your hopes up, sorry, players yeah. still owe money and yeah. it sucks because of the pandemic. But it should be, it's down like to the bare bones now it was like a couple billion and now we're down to like a, like the tens of millions at this point so like by next season it should be paid off and then we should start to see it rise it's just it's annoying to have this as yeah. a, a negotiation tactic between the nhl and the pa it's annoying it's annoying but we knew it was gonna happen yeah. so and the league made six billion dollars in revenue this season That's pretty good it's pretty good but it's also like what else do you want if you want salary cap to go up it's yeah. like we just have to wait for this thing to be over, and maybe by next season, maybe we'll see. Maybe it'll Fingers go crossed. Up, uh, a modest three million dollars, because that's what it's going to be. <laughs> like if you're expecting this thing to go up six, seven million bucks next year, it's not going to happen. happen. It's it's going to go up like three million, probably at the most. Yeah. So we'll maybe. see. Maybe, but yeah, I mean, it's it, it. I feel like we've talked about it enough on the show where it's like we just. We knew this was going to happen. <laughs> right. You knew it was going to happen. So unless you have anything last second to bring up, anything that falls into your head, I think we are all good for this episode. No, I mean, Nuggets are about to, at the time of recording, they're about to tip off in like 30 minutes. So keep it up, Nuggets. And uh, sadly, the Mammoth lost, which uh, I know that was heartbreaking for you. But uh, yeah, they lost. They lost, They got their ass kicked. They lost 13 to 4. Damn. I know oh, it's man. tough life for Stan Kroenke, man. He only has a team, team chance ah. to win one championship this year. I mean, it's tough to go from the kind of success he's been having to now he's got to only maybe have one championship this yeah, year. Yeah, just I mean, real tough life to be Stan Kroenke. I mean, you got to make all those plans for parades and everything, and you can't do. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's tough. You got to you got to feel for Mister Kroenke at some point. Yeah, I do, I do. But let's go Nuggets, take a two zero series lead, and uh, let's have a fucking blast. Yeah. Let's have ourselves a blast where every day is one day closer to some real abs news and getting back to real abs hockey in October. So again, thank you all so very much 
for tuning in to another edition of the Tell It As It Is podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. Use promo code Tell It As It Is on SeatGeek for $20 off your first order of $50 or more. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me at NHL. You can follow Christian at Christian underscore belay. And you can follow the show at Tell It As It Is. But again, thank you all so very much for tuning in, and we will catch you all next time. But until then, let's go abs.